Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So it's not a problem. The truth of the rapture is, for sure it's going to happen. Just as exactly Christ's death and resurrection happened, it's going to take place. Jesus will return in the air. We're going to meet him. It's the blessed hope. Number four, we should be filled with anticipation. You see, the rapture, number one, is a transformation. Can you imagine what our bodies are going to be like? How do we let the coming rapture affect how we live today? If we don't know when it's coming, why should we live any differently now? Today, Pastor Mark will give listeners five ways to live in expectancy of the end times. The rapture is an inevitable event, and even though we don't know the exact time of it, there are ways we can prepare for it. The most important way? Becoming a Christ follower. After that, there's no need to fear anything that happens in the end times prophecies, because we know God holds the future. In fact, we can live with the eager anticipation of the eternity that is to come. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew with his continuing study entitled, Up and Away, The End of the World. Well, what is that tribulation period going to be like? What do you mean God's wrath? What's the world going to look like? Here's two verses. First verse, Matthew 24. Jesus speaking. He said, during this tribulation, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In other words, during the seven years, there's going to be, what we're going to see stuff that we have never seen before. We won't. We'll see it from heaven. It's going to be disastrous. The second verse is very interesting. Notice, Revelation 6, 17, For the great day of the wrath has come, and who is able to survive? We learned last week that one half of the world's population will die during those seven years. One half of the world's population. You say, well then, why the rapture? What's the purpose of the rapture? Why does God take his church out? Why why does this happen? Well, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. Paul answers the question. For God did not appoint us, Christians, Christ followers, to suffer wrath. If you want to, you can just write up on top of that, his wrath. But to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says God has not appointed his followers to experience his wrath. 
You say, Pastor Mike, that doesn't make sense. I've heard you teach that the Bible says in this world you will have tribulation. Jesus said it. You're exactly right. But the tribulation and the trouble and the persecution you and I suffer today does not come from God. It comes from Satan and sin. You see, we die today not because of God, but because of the penalty of sin. Children that have disease and cancer and all the different things that we have in our world, the tremendous, the the wars, the people dying in the wars, and all the malformed children that are born, that's not God. It was never God. It's because of man. All the people that are persecuted for Christ, people dying every single day for their faith. Well, that isn't God killing them. That's Satan. So understand today, yes, we're going to have tribulation, but we don't experience the tribulation. Notice the rapture has two aspects in that verse, salvation and wrath. If I'm saved, I will never experience the wrath of God. If I'm not, and already dead, and didn't go to heaven, oh, I'll experience that wrath forever. If I'm left during those seven years, I will experience God's wrath on earth. And if I don't accept the Lord, I will experience his wrath forever. You see, one of the main purposes of God was to protect his people from his wrath. You either belong to God or you belong to Satan. And Satan is the ruler of the world. There's only two kingdoms. If you're not born again, if you're not a real Christian, you belong to the world of Satan. You will experience the wrath. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, Jesus who rescues us, snaps us out, catches us away from the coming wrath. Now, we don't only see this picture of God taking care of his children from his wrath in the New Testament. We see it beautifully in the Old Testament. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. Vieira, Matthew chapter 24. Those of you watching by the internet, Matthew chapter 24. Scoot on down to verse 36. And let me just make this disclaimer again. There are wonderful Bible teachers that believe in the rapture and everything that I'm teaching this morning that don't really see the rapture in Matthew 24. I, like Chuck Smith and others, I I see parts of the rapture there. Let's say it's not there. The principles are going to be the same. You'll see it very clearly. One of the reasons I see it there is because I think that Peter, who was there during this time, he wrote about what he heard Jesus speak about as they were there on the Mount of Olives. Notice what Peter says. And God did not spare the ancient world. So Peter's going back to the Old Testament. Except for Noah and seven others in his family. And Noah warned the world... Of God's righteous judgment or his wrath. So God, here we are, protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Now look at Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 36. Noah knows about that day or hour, nor even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Verse 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, giving marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. 
And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now look at me for a moment. Who's right? Who's saying verses 36 through 39? Who's speaking? Tell me who's speaking. Jesus is speaking. Is that right? Jesus is speaking. Here's what I hear people say. Pastor Mark, I love Jesus. He's got some really neat things in the Bible. I like his teaching. But I'm not into the Old Testament stuff. I mean, Jonah and the whale, come on. I mean, Noah in a flood, come on. In an ark, you got to be kidding me. Well, wait a minute. As you just read that, who, who did I ask who was speaking? Notice Jesus didn't say this. Now, the fable about Noah and the ark. So, does Jesus believe in Noah and the ark? Did he believe there's a flood? Yes. So, you can't believe in Jesus, listen, and not believe in Noah and the ark. It's impossible. Because you're calling Jesus a liar. So Jesus uses this Old Testament illustration of the wrath of God. There's three pictures of God's wrath in the Old Testament main. Number one, the demons who were previously angels. When they said along with Lucifer, we're going to not serve God, we're going to serve Lucifer. God's judgment came on them. Second is Noah. It's the wrath of God. Now, notice as you look at this. It says that before the days of the flood, people were eating, drinking, marrying, giving marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. So what was that like? What was life like during that time? Well, it was just normal, everyday life. Doing normal things, working, marrying, taking care of the kids, go to the soccer field, all the normal stuff. It was just good stuff that's happening every single day. Here's the key. Without God. You see, these people... Only Noah and his family had any relationship with God. These were all good people. The earth was filled with people. You'll see they're not that good. And their life didn't consist of anything with God. Then Jesus said, this is how it's going to be at the coming of the Son of Man. I see great parallels, don't you? Well, what was happening in Noah's day? How bad was it? Let me read to you from Genesis 6. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. You see, finally God says this, enough is enough. I'm going to send my wrath on the earth by means of a flood. You say, Pastor Mark, that's why I don't become a Christian. The wrath of God. No. Time out. God, for 120 years before this, had Noah preaching about the coming judgment. In God's grace, Noah preached for 120 years that there was a judgment coming. Noah warned the people that judgment was coming. What am I doing here today? I'm like a Noah in some ways. I'm saying to you, because see, when this happened, it's very difficult. Why was it difficult? Well, think of the times. Noah was building a boat in the desert. That ought to cause your eyes to open. It had never rained on the earth. 
So Noah said, there's a flood coming. A what? Never heard of it. He said, no, God said there's a flood coming. So Noah believed in something that hadn't come yet because God said it was coming. And what did all the people do? They laughed. For 120 years, they laughed. Well, you idiot. Here I am today saying to you, on the authority of God's word, there's a seven-year period called the tribulation coming. Pastor Mike, we've never seen it before. You're right. But it's coming. You see, I'm doing the very same thing. Every pastor who believes the word of God is doing the same thing. We're warning people. We're warning people to be ready for the coming judgment. Not because of God's wrath, because of God's love. We can know, we can understand what's going to happen. Well, the people laughed, and we know what happened. When the time was finally up, the door had been open for 120 years. The door closed one day. People didn't know it was going to close. Noah and his family went inside, were saved. They went inside, the door was closed, the rain began, the ark went up. Hello? And all the people on the earth experienced God's wrath. These real pictures are hard for us to understand. See, because sometimes we get emotionally worked up. Well, look at Second Peter. Peter's not true. Here's the third illustration of God's wrath. Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day and night. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue God's people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment and the day of judgment. What is God, what is Peter talking about? Well, skip back to two verses before. Look how God rescued. Look what God rescued him. Look in verse six. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Why did he do that? And he turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. Hello. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. And I want to say this to you kindly. The prevailing sin in Sodom and Gomorrah was that homosexuality had become the normal lifestyle. And God said what? Enough is enough. And you remember what happened? When Abraham knew that the angels were going to go and destroy Sodom, he said, oh, no, don't do that. Lot's living there. Can we save the city of Sodom? If there's 50 righteous people, 40 righteous people, all the way down to what? 10 righteous people. Couldn't find 10 righteous people. And God said no to the angels. You go, you get them out. The angels went. Remember I told you that the word caught up had a picture of forcibly to leave? You know what the angels really had to do with a lot of them? Forcibly say, no, you're leaving tomorrow morning. God can't destroy this city until you're gone. Hello, rapture. So they took them forcibly out. And the rest of people partied. Till the wrath of God came. So what's the purpose? What's the whole purpose of the, the, the rapture? Why, why is it here? Here it is. Write it down. It's love. You say it doesn't sound like love. Oh, it's love. God's purpose is to rescue his followers before 
his judgment falls. Before his judgment falls. You see, God gives men so many opportunities to know the truth and to share that truth. He knew how to rescue godly people. He still does today. And here's the question. When will the rapture take place? Look at Matthew 24. You're there. Look at verse 40. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken, one will be left. What is that a picture of? This indication is a picture of sudden removal from the earth. The unbelievers that are left, seven years of tribulation to experience God's wrath. The whole body of teaching in the New Testament is about the rapture, but one key. It happens suddenly, no warning. Jesus said, be careful, watch. You don't know when it's going to happen. He said, be constantly prepared for the rapture of the church. So the next thing you need to write is simply this. The next event on God's calendar, the next thing that's going to happen, next thing that's going to happen is not that the Antichrist is going to be revealed. You're not going to see this this, uh, man come on the scene. You're not going to see the temple built in Jerusalem. That's not the next thing. The very next thing that's going to happen is the rapture, the catching up of all believers. Now, the problem is, for us, it's signless. I can't say to you it's going to happen this afternoon, it's going to happen three weeks from now. I I don't know when it's going to happen. Maybe in a lifetime, maybe in mine, maybe not. I don't know. But Jesus just says, be ready, be looking, be active. So how should I be living? Knowing that's the very next thing that's going to happen. Let me give you five things this morning quickly. You can write them down. Number one, we should be ready for the rapture. We should be a real Christ follower. Now, Matthew 40, 24, 42, therefore keep watch because you do not know what day the Lord will come. The rapture will be instantaneous. It's going to happen instantaneous. Now, why do I say the first thing you have to do is make sure you're a real Christ follower? Why do I say a real follower? Because many people believe, hey, the best place to be in a rapture is in the church. doesn't matter where you're at. If your heart isn't ready, it doesn't matter. And see, many people confuse going to church with being a follower of Christ. No, that's not true at all. You have to be a real follower. Well, look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. He says, we will not all die, but we'll all be transformed. It will happen in the moment, in the blink of an eye. Blink your eye with me. Blink, blink, blink. How fast is that? That's pretty fast. Even if you're 65, it's pretty fast. When the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. The twinkling of an eye. I have people say to me, Pastor Mark, when, I'm, I'll get ready when the rapture occurs. Number two, we should be living pure and holy lives. You can't be plain at your walk with God. He's coming for a church that's spotless. Now, none of us in this room or in VR or watching by the none of us are spotless. His blood cleanses us. But you want to be going for it. You want to be pure and holy and walking with him, not playing. 
at your relationship. Number three, we should be filled with hope, not fear. Pastor Mark, I wish I hadn't come this morning. Why? If you're a Christian, there's no fear there. Absent from the body, present with the Lord, either by death or rapture. It's a beautiful thing. Boom, I'm gone. Up, up, and away. If you're scared because you're not right, you're going to get right today. That's the blessed hope. So it's not a problem. The truth of the rapture is, for sure it's going to happen, just as exactly Christ's death and resurrection happened. It's going to take place. Jesus will return in the air. We're going to meet him. It's the blessed hope. Number four, we should be filled with anticipation. You see, the rapture, number one, is a transformation. Can you imagine what our bodies are going to be like? We're going to be able to go through the universe. I mean, you just fly everywhere, anywhere. See the amazing things that we've never seen before. You don't have to get on Expedia. You don't have to pay 100 bucks to change your ticket. You don't have to go to one of our airports and stand in that line that's like a line from hell to get your luggage through. You know, the other day I went through and I had yogurt, and I thought they were going to arrest me. I didn't know you could have yogurt. He said, it's a liquid. I said, it's not. Look, it's frozen in here. No, you can't have it. Okay, I won't have that. It's going to be transformed. Praise God. I'll probably be there with one of those guys up in heaven. It's going to be all right. But not only that, it's going to be a reunion. Notice Philippians 3.20. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a reunion. I'm going to see my dad and my mom and my brothers and lots of other people who have died. I'm going to be with them. It's going to be awesome. But you know what will happen in every church around the world whenever the rapture is or wherever we're at? Remember, one in the field, one taken, one left. There'll be a home where the husband is on one side of the bed and the wife's the other. Husband's gone. Wife remains, vice versa. You know what's amazing here in this church? If the rapture occurred at 1215, there'd be some of you adults in here, your kids in the kids' ministry, gone to heaven. Why? Because they have faith like a little child. Instantly gone to heaven. And yet here, the parent sits in this room. Now to go through the tribulation. You see, none of us want a relative, a friend, to miss it. Now, we can't make a decision for them. But that brings us to the last point, very valid one. We should be sharing truth about God's love and the end of the world. We should be living pure and holy lives absent of fear filled with hope and anticipation of Christ's return. More importantly, we should be sharing the truth about God's love and the end of the world. Today, Pastor Mark challenged us with five things we should be doing right now, given the imminence of the rapture. Are you living every day with an eternal mindset to make a difference in the limited time you have left on earth? You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. What all can man expect from God during the seven-year tribulation? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners of the judgment that is to come on this earth beginning with the rise of the Antichrist. Scripture states the Antichrist will be a master of deception, arrogant, and he will destroy many without warning. There will be an unholy trinity consisting of the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Here